welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching podcast hosted by my husband Tom and produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is the coaching strategy creator. That is a title that he made up himself and nobody has any idea what it means other than him. But anyway, we hope you really enjoy the show. Welcome to episode five of the Passion Fit Coaching podcast. I'm going to lose count of these soon, I think, aren't I? So Probably. Yeah, probably, especially as we keep chucking in like episode Little 3A. Bonus ones. Yeah, bonus ones. Okay, guys, so welcome to the podcast. And this week, we're going to start talking a little bit more and a little bit more in depth about the coaching strategies, the coaching concepts that we use to help develop our athletes on their journeys. Now, one of the things that's really important to remember is that at Passion Fit, when we coach are athletes and they are predominantly athletes at the moment it isn't just about developing them as, as athletes as sports people we focus very much on the whole of their journey so we prefer in some ways not to even be referred to as triathlon or sports coaches but we understand that the most of the people we work with do fall into that category not all but most do but we are one of the things that does differentiate us is we very specifically do focus on the whole journey not just on that piece of back that relates to the sporting side of things and unlike some other like groups coaching groups coaching companies that do definitely pay a lot of attention to the wider journey we specifically develop it so a lot of group companies are quite progressive quite advanced you know quite innovative um, in the way that they do things look very deeply at how they can incorporate that athletic journey seamlessly into people's lives the difference for us is that we're not looking to seamlessly incorporate an athletic journey into somebody's life. We're looking to use their athletic journey, their personal journey, their professional journey to enhance each other. So they all contribute to each other and the development process we use is designed to, to work with each individual on, on those three things. And to what extent and what how in depth we get on those three things depends a little bit on the athlete, or what they want or what they need. But in, in all cases, we have some input on all of those. So even with Lydia, who's, I'd like to say co-hosting with me today, but she's probably more like uh, the producer or like a runner. They have runners, don't they, in the media? Oh, well, I, I, I go for producer. It sounds cooler, <laughs> producer doesn't it? Producer sounds a lot better. But I don't think we really like worked out role descriptions on this one, or I just missed the memo one on the producer piece. Yeah, you do miss the memo on that. But you also so. do like talking a lot. Yeah, I do like talking a lot. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, so even in Lydia's journey, this is how we approach it. So Lydia's obviously a professional athlete or elite athlete. And what one of the things with Lydia is that we spend as much, if not more top time talking about non-training related behaviors and development than we do about the training related development. In fact, um, Lydia writes her own training plan. I don't write Lydia's training plan. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know what's in her training plan and she writes a training plan that I've helped her learn how to write wouldn't say taught her because that sounds a bit patronizing but I guess at the start we taught you um and but she now writes it herself I have oversight and oversee it and we discuss on a daily basis whether there need to be any changes to that training plan as as the days the weeks and the months go on but most of the dialogue that Lydia and I have is around non training related behavior and in fact Lydia records in her exhale um, calendar because we use exhale for our our coaching platform the end of each week Lydia doesn't record much about her training at all she very briefly touches on it but most of her documented um, 
recording of what's happened that week is to do with behavioural choices, um, non-training related things. And I review that and then I feedback and then we discuss what behavioural things that she's going to be working on the following week and how those behaviours are going to help her with all the different parts of her journey. So have I explained that well enough? Do you think does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it's kind of more of a summary of how the week's gone essentially yeah and the areas that is that self-assessment and self-awareness piece yeah but the areas that i think i could have improved on or actually i'm quite like happy with how i executed that yeah just from the behavioral side yeah and this is what we've always done with you isn't yes, it yes it is yeah so you know of course our one of our underlying beliefs is that if you focus on performance often performance doesn't happen or other areas of your life suffer as a result of that it's kind of the playing the shot not the, sorry, playing the outcome not the shot scenario and um, what we've actually found is that the more you focus on the behaviours the more you focus on personal development the, the more that the performance looks after itself and also it's far more sustainable far less toxic far more enjoyable far more motivating to do it that way and actually the trap that lots of people fall into across all walks of life is trying to focus on being better and then being better never occurs um, so that's kind of where we stand with this in fact we've proved that the more you focus on behaviors the, the more that performance does in, become enhanced and it doesn't it doesn't it isn't isolated just to an athletic journey and we've actually gone one step further whereby we actually measure our athletes level of accomplishment based on their behavioral execution so what we do is with our athletes um, rather than saying oh you had a good week or a bad week based on how their training went you know, we, we determine that by how they were behaviourally. So, and across all aspects of their life as well. So they might have smashed 80% of their sessions. Um, I hate that phrase, but you get what I mean. Um, but if they've not acted and behaved in, 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 in an appropriate way alongside that or in other areas of their life, then it isn't necessarily an accomplished week. So sometimes you could actually have a succession not very good sessions in terms of outputs but it'd still be a highly accomplished week so that's how we do things and if you follow us you'll know that our, our monthly accomplishment award isn't given based on performances it's given based on behaviors execution and a lot of it's to do with their contribution to the culture and the community and how they've added value to others or maybe added value to others in other areas of their life through their behavior and choices so that's what's really important about passion fit and the concepts we're going to talk to you about are the concepts that we tend to measure athletes on and we teach and develop our athletes to master. So what we're going to do today is we're going to start with the first one, which is effective goal setting. And before we start with that, one of the things that's really important about both goal setting and measure of progression towards your goals, any goals that you have, is the way in which you measure it. We've talked a bit about this already, measuring you know, success relative to others, success relative to arbitrary goals. <clears throat> so, you know, <clears throat> the sign of nonsensical goal of, you know, like a, a 90 minute half marathon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then go back and listen to our previous podcast, explain why that arbitrary, or the, why that number itself is arbitrary and why that goal is not an appropriate goal in, 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 our, in our eyes. It's not wholly inappropriate, but it's why it's appropriate that matters. Um, we've talked about why comparing to others is dangerous and risky and often how that can be circumstantial. So again, if you want to know a bit more about that, go and listen to some of our previous podcasts. I think it was episode three, maybe, I don't know, two or three, one of those two. 
Um, so one of the things that we do is we always measure athletes ipsatively. And again, we talked about this. So ipsative assessment is assessment of an individual's progression or performance relative to their start point and their potential, not relative to others or to arbitrary measures. So that's really, really important. Now, of course, you might say, well, what does potential mean? Well, your potential is, in our, again, from our perspective in the passion fit world is defined by a combination of three things. It's de defined by your, um, your, your natural ability. So your latent ability, your talent, yeah, um, uh, that you might have. So for example, for an endurance athlete, just take something very, very simple. If, you've got, if, you, if you're born with a high VO2 max, then you know, that statistically gives you a good chance of being a better endurance athlete. Of course, there's much more to it than that. But if you're born with a very low VO2 max, it's a genetic trait, then it might be more difficult for you. So your, your potential is linked to your latent ability or, or your inherited ability. Maybe one of those two things or a bit of both. So that's the first one. The other contributing factors are what you can do and what you will do. So not just what you will do, but also what you can do. So what's realistic for you to be able to do and what are you prepared to do? Okay, because we're not all prepared to do what we can do. And some of us can't do what we're prepared to do. Um, and some of us have just got a, a latent ability that doesn't support the goal that we have. So we've got to make sure that we bring those three, th three things together to just determine what our potential might be. And I appreciate that that's really subjective. That's it. I mean, sometimes you can measure some things objectively. You know, in, in cycling, they found much more objective ways of measuring the potential a cyclist may have based on their, their biology. But, you know, it's not easy to do and, you know, we don't have access to those resources all the time. But that's what we define as potential. So a combination of what you can do, what you will do, and your latent ability. Okay, those three things. So quite important. And we mustn't forget about that when we're setting goals, because if we do, then we can get quite, or assessing assessment, we can get quite frustrated with our journey if we get that wrong. And um, it can be quite liberating when we get it right. That, then that's quite important. So <clears throat> the next part of this, and of course, those three things change all the time. Okay, those things change all the time. So your, your latent ability can change a little bit through development. So as you develop skills or um, you develop um, uh, physical develop, you know, physically. So if you develop fitness, you know, your latent ability or inherent ability, inherent ability can change. What you can do can change because your life circumstances can change and what you will do can change because what you have enjoyment for, what you have focus on can change. So that's a moving, your potential is constantly moving, it's constantly dynamic and it's really important to remember that, okay? So how you assess yourself in a year compared to now could be very, very different. And it might be different in different aspects of your life, okay? So that's really important. So that's potential and ipsative assessment. So goal setting. So let's talk a little bit about how to set goals when you've already taken into account that ipsative progression piece and that potential piece. So goal setting is an interesting one because everybody thinks they're good at setting goals. Everybody thinks they're good at setting goals. Um, I actually remember sitting with the six HR directors of one of the biggest UK companies a few years ago and spending a three, three hours of a whole day workshop trying to set effective goals for themselves and they couldn't do it. I think we managed to get one effective goal from them, from all six of them, in about three hours. 
when you really drill down properly, none of the goals were that effective. And often people are better helping others set goals rather than setting goals themselves. But generally speaking, people aren't as good at setting goals for themselves as they think they are. And one of the things that's historically been used to help people get better at goal setting is the, the SMART model. So many of you will have heard the SMART model. You would have, um, you'd be familiar with it. So it's um, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Okay, it's important that the A and the R aren't confused. Okay, so attainable or achievable, whatever word you want to use, and relevant, not attainable and realistic, because attainable and realistic are exactly the same thing. Okay, we often get that wrong. But I've always, I've used SMART goals for much of my corporate career, but I've always felt that the SMART goals were lacking. In fact, the word is wrong itself. Uh, it should be SMART goals, um, because if a goal is specific, it, it has to be time-bound, um, and otherwise it's not specific. But I guess whenever this was put together as a framework, the people doing it thought, well, smart sounds a bit shit, doesn't it? So we better stick a letter on the end. Let's make it T. We can sell that. Uh, there we go. Done. Um, so I've never been a great fan of smart goals um, because um, I felt it's a bit flawed in that respect. But also, I've always felt it was quite lacking because you can have smart goals that can be really destructive both to yourself and to others. That That's not good. You can have smart goals that have been heavily influenced by external expectations or societal expectations or external factors and, and that's not always great either you know the easiest example to use in the sporting was lance armstrong you know there's no doubting lance armstrong's goals were smart but when we reflect back on it we probably you know arguably but we probably most of us would say that his goal setting wasn't uh as appropriate certainly as it should have been okay so and there's lots of other examples of that in history, but we won't go into those. One always comes up in our workshops from the, the, the groups, but we don't want to say it ourselves. Okay, so what So what do we do with our athletes? How do we help our athletes set goals? Well, we use a, a very similar but an enhanced framework. Now, we knew what we wanted to be in this framework for many months. Um, and... With anything like this, you kind of need an acronym, right? If you don't have an acronym, then people forget it. You certainly can't sell it. And it's really difficult to present. And I spent, I don't know, months trying to come up with an acronym. I gave the task to my mother, who's quite good at these things, to, to have a go to. Um, everyone she came back to me was shit. <laughs> my mind were even worse. And then one day, and this is a true story. People think this isn't a true story. They're like, this can't possibly be true. It was staring me right in front of my face. It, and and, and, and it, it, it was the word ipsative. So I've just talked about ipsative assessment, being assessment relative to your start point and your potential. And the word ipsative provided the perfect acronym for our goal setting framework. And that is genuinely a complete coincidence. Um, and I don't know whether I was pleased when I spotted it or annoyed because of the amount of time I'd spent trying to put it together. So ipsative... I-P-S-A-T-I-V-E is the acronym that we're going to use. It's fortunate, isn't it? So, what does I stand for? Well, I is one of the things that you won't find in SMART. I stands for individualised. So, individualised means the goal should be specific to you. It should be specific to your journey. 
and not disproportionately influenced by the world around you. Now, of course, sometimes there might be some relevance of being influenced by the world around you. So, for example, if you're a professional athlete, then you can't disregard the importance of racing for outcome. You know, if you're in a hockey match, you can't just you can't just not have an approach where you're trying to win. You can't go, I'm not going to win the game because that's not individualized to me. I just want to have fun. That's going to annoy quite a lot of your teammates. And it kind of defeats the object of sports that have been set up as zero-sum games, right? Because that's how they've been made. Um, you know, also in a working environment, you know, you can't just go, well, I don't fancy hitting that target, so I'm not going to. You know, you know we're self-employed. And even we can't disregard the importance of having to generate revenue. So... But it needs to be individualized. Okay, so goals should still be individualized to the best of your ability and not disproportionately influenced by external factors because that's where the toxicity can often be born from. Okay, so that's the first one. So individualized. P stands for precise. Of course, it has to be precise. I know there's overlap with smart here. There wasn't ever not going to be because smart isn't wrong. It just needed improving. So goal needs to be precise. It needs to not be ambiguous. So things like, I'd like it to be faster, or I'd like to be more successful. You know, those goals don't really mean anything. They might in your head mean something to you, but often they also don't. So you need to think about it exactly how you're going to set up and measure that goal. You know, what is, what is what? how are you gonna make it precise? Okay, so that's really, really important. It doesn't have to be an objective measure. Some subjective measures can be precise too. So for example, in the triathlon terms, the development of swim technique can still be precise, even if it's done subjectively, because you can get an expert to assess you. All right, so there, you know, the driving test is quite precise, but it's still quite subjective, isn't it? I'd say. Um, so there you go. So that's the second one. Third one, S, is suitable. The goal's got to be suitable, okay? It's got to be suitable, relevant to your life journey. Um, you know, it's, there's no point setting a goal that's got no relevance to your life journey at all, okay? So it needs to be suitable. Um, it's also got to be suitable in such a way that um, it's suitable for the people around you as well. You know, one of my goals, for example, would be to, to obtain the entire 1980s Lego space collection. Uh, but it's not suitable because I wouldn't have anywhere to put it and it probably end in divorce. So it has to be suitable, okay? So suitable is, is, is number, is, is S, the third part of that. Next is A, and that's attainable or aspirational. How lucky that they both begin with A, otherwise we'd have really been buggered, wouldn't we, right? So they both begin with A. So a goal could be attainable or aspirational. Now, sometimes we feel pressured that a goal should be aspirational. We've got to have these big goals. Even Ironman, I hate Ironman's catchphrase. Anything, anything is possible. I mean, what a crock of shit. I mean, what absolute nonsense. You know, not everything is anything is possible. You can't, do you know what? Some remarkable things are possible. Sometimes things well beyond what we could have ever imagined, but not anything is possible. So I don't like that motto. I've never liked it. So, and, and the problem is it, it draws us into this belief that a goal has to be aspirational to be worth having. It's not true. And for some people, aspirational goals can be very demotivating, very off-putting, again, quite toxic. So if you're somebody that prefers attainable goals, goals that you know you can achieve and maybe surpass, go for it. If you're somebody that likes aspirational goals, I'm a bit more in that category, 
because you don't mind if you don't achieve them, then that's okay too. But Lauren, for example, my wife, she much prefers attainable goals. She's very honest about that, but she finds it very motivating and she'll often surpass those goals, but she does prefer those goals in the first place. So A is attainable aspirational. Then T, T is trackable. So it has to be trackable. You have to be able to track your progression towards your goal. You, you can't have a goal, you can, but not being able to track it's very difficult, okay? Because how do you know if you, you, you're doing the right things? How do you make, you know, if you're making the right choices that are taking you on a journey towards your goal if you don't track it? And again, this is something that people don't do very well. You know, even in the very simplistic process of, say, preparing for an Ironman, the number of people that don't start with your day of the race and work back and then therefore track your progress to being ready is quite remarkable. I find that amazing. And then people get like four weeks out and they're like, shit, I'm not ready. I'm not even close to ready. And, you know, and then you realise that they haven't tracked any of their training. Um, and it's no wonder that they haven't progressed as, as they wanted to towards their goal. So it needs to be trackable. Ideally, you know, not ideally, no. Objective things are easier to track, but they don't have to always be. You don't have to track things objectively. So in the passion fit world, in fact, all of the things we measure people on, the behaviours, aren't objectively trackable. Not really. Um, okay, the next one is I, uh, and that is influenceable. Okay, so I don't even know if influenceable is a word, but it, but it is now. We didn't, we couldn't, we still can't decide on how to spell it. We did a workshop for the Ladies College, Channel Ladies College. We decided that they would be a very good group of young ladies to help us decide on the spelling of this. And they decided it should have uh, an E and an A at the, at the end. Obviously another E at the very end as well, but they decided there should be an E and an A. So we've gone with that. So influenceable is A, is, is I. So you should have some influence over the goal you've set. It's no good having a goal, or like my Lego space collection goal, for example, is not very influenceable because I know the answer is going to be no. Um, so it's a bit of a stupid goal for me to have because I'm only ever going to be disappointed. So you have to have some influence over the goal. And one of the benefits of behavioural goals that we work on our individuals with is that they're always influenceable. You know, arguably that no matter what your circumstances, your control over your behaviour is, is pretty much always 100%. Your attitude and mindset and, your, and the, the resulting behaviours are something you always have control over or the very at least influence over. You know, I'm a good example of that at the moment. At the moment... I've got a couple of annoying things going on in my life that I don't have any control over. But what I do have control over is how I choose to react to those things and the action I choose to take. And I'm really testing myself at the moment to go through that process because what I don't want to do is self-sabotage other areas of my life because of my frustration with this other thing that's going wrong. Um, so it's quite it's quite interesting. Um, it's nothing to do with Lauren. Let me just make sure I get that out All idea. <laughs> Otherwise, people might think, Ooh, there's a... Uh, there's drama in the passion fit house. No, there isn't. Um, it's it's something completely dis disconnected to um, my athletic coaching or personal journey, but it is still frustrating nonetheless. Okay, so I is influenceable. V uh, is value adding. Okay, so V is value adding. So your goals should not be destructive. This is another one that's not in smart. So influenceable is not in smart. Neither is value adding is not in smart. So. Um, again, the problem with smart is you can have these goals and then you have no influence that you have no influence over. You have these goals and they're not value adding, and they should be value adding just to, both to you and ideally to the world around you. So Lydia's talked a bit about this recently um, about her decisions not to race 
this summer. So she raced Lanzarote in May and during the summer she's not racing. And it's because she has other goals and at the moment she's getting quite a lot of reward out of those goals being goals that are value adding to others. But then also they're value adding to her because she gets a lot of satisfaction from those and she gets a lot of development both as a person and as an athlete from helping others. It's one of those things that people often forget. It's amazing how much development you'll gain from supporting the development of others, but that's perhaps a conversation for another time. So value adding is the next part of the goal setting process. Is the goal value adding to you? Is it value adding to the people it's going to impact on? If it's not, then maybe you need to reassess that. And you have to think very hard about this one because sometimes we're led to believe goals are value adding when they're not. So for example, we think getting richer will be value adding to us. Like how many times do you hear about you know, wealthy people that are unhappy or people that win the lottery and it's the worst thing that happened to them. But we think it'll be value adding and it's not. And this goes for lots of different things. So very important to, to work through this one carefully. Okay. Um, remember that value was also something that is quite subjective. Value adding isn't always something that might feel positive. So sometimes a goal that you have might not be a goal that leads to you generally feeling happier or more fun or, or more positive, but the bigger picture, the thing it contributes towards how it impacts on your journey is value adding, so you still do it. So when we've all been in that place where we've done something really difficult that we prefer not to have to do, but we do it because it adds value to us and to others. So really important to, to, to bear that in mind. Okay, so, and the very, very last one is the goal is E, and E is exciting. Okay, so the goal must motivate you. It must be something you're compelled to keep working towards. And one of the things I always say with people we work with is if you're not compelled to achieve your goal, or at the very least on a bad day committed, then you need to change your goal. Okay, if you find you constantly lose motivation, your motivation wanes, goes up and down, then you probably need to change the goal. So when I say excited, I don't mean like you're bouncing out of bed every morning to... To, to, to carry on working towards your goal. I don't ever bounce out of bed at five o'clock in the morning to go swimming, but I'm still excited by that goal that I have for different reasons. It's still exciting in a different way. So, you know, I don't get excited about a threshold set on the bike or I don't get excited about a threshold set in the pool. In fact, I actually get nervous about some of those sessions, but it is exciting in its own way. So it's really important that it's exciting. And again, this is a trap we often fall into where we set these goals and we see it, you know, athletes all, you know, we, we, we say, oh, well, I've got to enter a race to motivate myself to train. Hmm. Do you know what I think in that case, for me, you might be missing that point and the opportunity because the exciting part is not the race. Yes, the race is exciting. But the exciting part is the preparation for the race, the, 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 the motivation to better yourself, you know, to challenge yourself. You know, it's not crossing the line. It's what you did to cross the line that matters. You know, when you walk down the red carpet in an Ironman race or an orange carpet or red carpet challenge, then it's remembering all those days, all that you went through to get to that point that you're celebrating and you're remembering. You know, there's two... And, and for me, for example, you know, entering an Ironman to try and do it with the minimum effort and get across the line is missing the point. You know, the point is about challenging yourself in a certain way. And, you know, I think that's something we need to do much better when we're striving towards some of the goals that we strive towards. Um, yeah, so there we go. 
So Ipsative goal setting. So let's go through that again for you. So it's I, individualized, P, precise, S, suitable, A, attainable or aspirational, T, trackable, I, influenceable, V, value adding, and E, exciting. I sound like a, a Sesame Street. That sounded like Sesame Street a bit, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sesame Street. You know, that's the sort of thing they do on Sesame Street. Yeah? Yeah, let's go for that. Go for that. Okay. So, yeah, there we go, guys. And remember, potential is a combination of what you will do, what you can do, and your inherent or latent ability. Um, and don't forget, ipsative assessment is assessment of your progression or your performance relative to your start point and your potential. Very, very important. Okay. So there we go, there's a, a, a little introduction into some of the concepts and behavioural uh, development that we do with our athletes. And that's the first of our four core behavioural concepts, effective goal setting. There are three other core concepts. Effective goal setting is the first because, of course, everything starts with goals. If you don't have goals, you're not going to go on much of a journey, I'd say. Okay, hope you enjoyed that. If you've got any questions, comments, um, ping them across to us send them to us through our various media platforms. If you've got anything else you want us to talk about in relation to that or anything at all, then let us know. Um, but yes, I hope that was interesting. Um, hopefully some of you will actually be able to use it within your journeys. Take care. Have a good week. Bye-bye.